Coming up on this week's show, K.M. Newhold joins us to talk about the latest in her Four Bears Construction series. This is the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week, we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations, and explore the latest in gay pop culture. Welcome to episode 238 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com, and with me as always is my co-host and husband, Will Knaus. Hello, everybody. This episode of the podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable community on Patreon. A big thanks to Yvonne for joining us. We'll have more information on how you can join the community at the end of the show, along with a sneak peek of what we've got coming up for you next week. Welcome back, everyone. We are so glad you could join us for this episode as we close out April 2020. Here's hoping that May brings better days ahead. Indeed. So a couple of cool things that happened this week that we want to make note of. Netflix dropped a wonderful looking trailer for a limited series called Hollywood. This is from the mind of Ryan Murphy. And it's about a post-World War II Hollywood setting with a group of aspiring actors and filmmakers who are out there to make their showbiz dreams come true. In true Ryan Murphy fashion, it looks like this is going to be a really excellent extravaganza. There's some diversity content and LGBTQ stuff going on and people with boyfriends. And it, oh, it looks so, so good. You got Darren Chris in it, Patty Lapone, Rob Reiner's going to show up, Mira Servino. The two and a half minutes of the trailer made me so happy. This series is actually going to drop this coming Friday on May 1st. And I suspect that a part of our next weekend will be at least checking out a few episodes of this series, which, as I mentioned, is limited. So it's only seven episodes. So it shouldn't take all that long to binge even. Something else we got to watch this past week was a special streaming presentation of the play Buyer and Seller starring Michael Urie. This show we saw a couple times in New York when it was off-Broadway, and it's such a delight. It's about a guy who ends up working in Barbara Streisand's basement, and it's actually based on a design book that she put out a few years ago where she mentions that she's got her basement set up as a bit of a shopping mall, basically so she could find stuff. But um, Jonathan Tollins, the playwright, kind of took it to the next extreme where there's probably somebody down there curating all this, perhaps like a shopping mall who gets to interact with Barbara. The play is really excellent. It was done from Michael Urie's apartment, three different cameras on him. I can't imagine the tech setup he had in his house to do it at the moment, but it was a really great benefit performance for Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS, and their COVID-19 emergency fund. There are so many cool things happening right now with performers doing readings and performances from their homes. There seems to be something live every day. We're going to start putting things into our Twitter and Facebook feeds that interest us to get the information out there to you guys to perhaps catch some of this stuff. Because what we've noticed as we've missed a couple things is that if you miss it live, maybe it's there for a day or two afterwards. Maybe it's not. So if you're interested in these things, make sure you you know, get there when they start. Find out if they're going to be there uh, for any replay so that you don't miss some of this really cool stuff that's out there. So keep an eye on our social media feeds for that. We'll do our best to keep you informed. Something else to keep an eye on. The April edition of the Big Gay Fiction Book Club is going to premiere this Tuesday. That's April 28th. And the book for this month is LOL by Lucy Lennox and Molly Maddox. 
Jeff and I really enjoyed this story about a Hollywood superstar who gets waylaid by a down-on-his-luck Central Park carriage driver. Such a delightful book. Lives up to its title because you will laugh out loud multiple times as you read this book. I really enjoyed the read. You're not going to want to miss it. That's Tuesday, April 28th. In the Hockey Player's Heart, the feel-good gay romance by Jeff Adams and Will Knaus, hockey star Caleb Carter returns to his hometown to recover from an injury. He never expects to run into his one-time crush at a grade school fundraiser. Seeing Aaron Price hits him hard, like being checked into the boards. The attraction is still there, even after all these years, and Caleb decides to make a play for the school teacher. You miss 100% of the shots you never take, right? Aaron has been burned by love before, and can't imagine what a celebrity like Caleb could possibly see in a guy like him. Their differences are just too great. But as Aaron spends more time with Caleb, he begins to wonder if he might have what it takes to win the hockey player's heart. Get the hockey player's heart at Amazon.com. All right, let's talk about some books. I read Surreal Estate by Jessie Lee Ryan. I've been wanting to get back to her books because I read one that was part of the Valentine's series last year. And this one got put in front of me, and I'm so glad I, I took this one on because it was such a delightful romance. So Sasha Michaels is a down-on-his-luck singer who is really at loose ends right now. He's homeless and trying to catch a break when he stumbles upon an abandoned home that literally beckons him inside. You see, he's got psychic connections with houses, and since this particular one is empty and is welcoming to him, although some of its energy is not the best because the home has been feeling neglected, Sasha decides to bed down here uh, to get himself some shelter. Now, this is a good place to be until house flipper Nick Cooper shows up to start work. Nick's also a bit down on his luck. He really lost everything in the recession, and he's trying to get himself back on track, flipping this particular house, which he thinks is going to be a sure bet to not only recoup his investment, but to give him the funds that he needs to keep going with house flipping. He's surprised, of course, to find Sasha there, but decides to let him stay, at least until the construction starts. But then he decides to let him stay even longer if Sasha can help him out with the flip since he's running on such a tight budget and really needs to get this flip done fast. From the very beginning, Nick and Sasha are super sweet. I mean, let's face it, Nick could have flipped out when he found a homeless man in his house, but he really didn't. He, he took a minute and heard the situation, and their whole relationship is like this. And I think it's a little bit because you've got two guys who are really stuck within some difficult circumstances. And it really turns out that they can help each other. Nick is up to his eyeballs in debt with this house, and he actually got the money to fund the renovation from a loan shark. And it doesn't help that he has to go back for more money when the budget that he originally laid out kind of gets blown apart. So he really needs all the help he can get from Sasha and really anybody else. Now, besides being homeless, Sasha also ends up out of work as he's laid off from his barista job. And he's got a deadbeat mom who takes up with some really terrible people. Her, her life choices are not good and pretty much refuses any help from Sasha. So his family situation is not all that great either. Now, as I mentioned from first meeting, Sasha and Nick really don't tend to judge each other. Uh, even as their individual difficult circumstances come out, there's really more of talking through it and understanding how they can help each other. And I think it's really these 
difficult circumstances that make them more empathetic to each other. Neither one of them has a lot, but they're more than willing to help each other any way they can. And it's this, along with the mutual attraction that they've already got, that really sets up a foundation for their sweet romance. Now, of course, eventually Sasha's connection to the house gets discovered when he's able to point out some areas to Nick that need repair that aren't readily apparent, like a leaky pipe that sits behind a wall. Nick doesn't necessarily understand this power. He takes in what Sasha's got to tell him and really learns to take it rather seriously uh, when it turns out some of the things that uh, Sasha can point out. And it really serves to even bring the two closer together. Uh, I really like how Jesse handles this power. It's something that's just there. And it's not the primary focus of the story, but it does have its place as it helps to draw these two men closer together and solidify their relationship. Now, while Sasha's got a pretty, you know, not great family, Nick's is really pretty good, including his brothers and his parents. Now, nobody in the family likes the idea that he's taken out all, all the debt and working on the house by himself instead of talking to them. And it even gets a little more complicated when it's discovered that he owes money to this loan shark. But the family's got his back, and even as they get to know Sasha, they like him more and more for the kind of turn in their brother that they see, and that he's happier now than he's been in a very long time. And they don't even so much focus on the aspects of the homelessness or anything like that, which is really refreshing. Nick's major thing to overcome in all this is he has to connect fully with acknowledging his bisexuality. Now, while there could have been a little more exploration around this topic, Nick does talk with his brothers and he talks with Shasha about what his experiences have been so far and that he really thinks that Sasha is the guy for him. Sasha's a little more worried overall with the situation because he doesn't view himself as a good guy for Nick simply because of what's all gone on in his past. Jesse gives us lots of deep scenes for these guys, not only working things out between each other, but kind of working through things in their own heads. And I really enjoyed these scenes. And frankly, these two can't even escape each other, though, because every time one of them kind of drifts away for whatever the reason is, the other actually pursues them to find out what happened. There's none. Nothing is left for very long about any miscommunication because the other one just won't have it. The resolutions and grand gestures here that bring the guys together to their HEA are so wonderful. And each guy kind of has their own grand gesture in the midst of all this. I think Sasha truly wins for the biggest of all the gestures, though. The entire end of the book just made me smile so, so much because I love how these two guys kind of brought themselves together. Uh, Shout out for the narrator, too. Uh, TJ Clark is new to me, and I really love the work that he did bringing Nick and Sasha to life. So I very much recommend Surreal Estate by Jesse Lee Ryan for a very good read with just a little touch of magic thrown in. And I have to say, I would love for this to kind of be a real deal because an HGTV series with these two flipping houses with somebody who's got the psychic connection to the house would be something I would tune into every single week. So I don't know, Jesse, if you want to fictionalize that because I think that could be pretty darn on fun, at least for this particular reader. So... That's what I got for the week. What did you get up to? This past week, I read a really terrific cozy mystery by Kat Sebastian. Now, most of you know I am a big fan of her Regency romances. And this time, this author has decided to dip her toes in the cozy mystery waters. Here's what the blurb has to say about Hither Page. 
A jaded spy and a shell-shocked country doctor team up to solve a murder in post-war England. And that simple sentence actually encompasses the entirety of the story. So right away, you should know if this is going to be your cup of English tea. It certainly was mine. This book came out almost a year ago now, and I cannot believe it took me this long to actually read it. It was so delightful. I loved it so, so much. So since this is a mystery, I am going to keep my summary very, very vague. I know a lot of you think I give away far too much when I talk about books, so I think you'll be pleased by this. The spy that we just heard about is a guy named Leo Page, and the doctor is James Summers. And Mildred Hoggett, a local charwoman, has been met with an untimely end. Now, was it an accident or was it murder? That's what Leo is sent to find out. He's sent by home office to keep an eye on things. And James knows he isn't who he says he is immediately because during the war, he actually dug a bullet out of Leo while they were in France. This shared secret between them brings them close together immediately, bringing to light the mutual attraction that they already have. And over the next couple of days, they each individually talk to the quirky townsfolk in order to piece together what exactly is going on. Now, there's Colonel Armstrong, who may or may not have sold secrets of the British steel industry to the Nazis. There's his incredibly handsome secretary, who is overqualified and underpaid by the skinflint Armstrong. What's his story? There's the vicar and his overwhelmed wife. There's also Wendy, the gawky preteen, who is billeted to the small town during the war, but since her actual parentage is a mystery, she isn't being sent back home. She's continuing to live with two spinsters, who Leo and James eventually figure out are more than just friends. And as they're doing their subtle investigation, there is a second murder. Leo is at his wit's end because all of these minute puzzle pieces just are not fitting together. And one evening, he shows up on James's doorstep. He spent the entire day wandering around the village in the snow, so he soaked the bone. So James lovingly dries him off and makes him some soup, and they talk things over. And what I thought was really charming is that this happens later in the book, as our heroes had had more and more time to get to know one another. And it's at this moment that the attraction kind of kicks into the next level. I wouldn't necessarily say this is like a slow burn, but there's this, this really interesting simmering chemistry that they have throughout the entire book. And it's not because, I mean, it could have very easily gotten melodramatic, of course, because these two men are gay and small town England. And of course, it's illegal to be gay in the UK at that time. But that's not really what it's all about. It's what they represent to one another. James is suffering from PTSD from his time on the front. And that's why he chose to become a small town doctor. He's sort of living the fantasy of this bucolic life. And the fact that Leo, a spy, has come to his small town sort of shatters this like very tenuous narrative that he's created for himself. So Leo actually kind of represents all of the things he's trying to leave behind. But at the same time, he's wildly attracted to this guy. It's a really interesting sort of line that each of them is trying to walk about what happened in the past and the possibilities, maybe, 
that they might be able to have a future together. Like I said, this is really different than what Cat Sebastian does in her Regencies, um, and the, the tone was really uh, intriguing to me. Of course, our heroes do prevail, and all those puzzle pieces eventually slide into their correct positions, and peace once again returns to this small English village. Hither Page is listed as the first in a series, and like I said, this book came out almost a year ago. So Kat, if you're listening, please give us some more. I really liked Leo and James an awful lot, and I can't wait to see what they get up to in the future. If you're interested in learning more about the books or anything else we talked about in this week's show, all you have to do is go to the show notes page for episode 238 at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. Did you know that podcasts love to get reviews too? Taking a moment to leave a review about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast helps us with the show's visibility online. Please take a moment to visit iTunes and leave a review. Your comments help other readers of gay romance discover this show. Thanks for helping us spread the word about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. So this week I get to talk to K.M. Newhold. I so enjoyed this interview because, I mean, we've both gotten so into her books lately. You've gotten into Forebear's Construction. I'm all about the Love Logic series. And it was really good to sit down and talk about both of these series, which, of course, this very week has a brand new book coming out from in the Forebear's series with the book Nailed. Kyleen, welcome to the podcast. It is so awesome to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Will and I have become obsessed with your books. Uh, <laughs> so we were so happy you decided to come on the show. And it's a perfect week to have you here because Nailed, <laughs> which is the second book in Forebear's Construction, comes out this very week. Yes, on Friday. On Friday. So for those who have missed what we've been saying about this already on the show... <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that series in general and then what we're going to get in this new installment. Yeah. So the Four Bears Construction series is a contemporary MM romance series, of course, focused around four best friends who own a construction company together. What I really always love about writing series is the whole like best friend found family aspect of, you know, all the characters who will go on to find their happily ever afters. And when I was kind of planning the series, what I had in mind mostly was a group of friends who are kind of these foul-mouthed, blue-collar, average guys in their 40s finding love was kind of the concept that I had from the start before I started writing it. So, And then for Nailed, which is the second book in the series, like you said, it's an enemies to lovers. Stone, who is one of the owners of Forebear's Construction, bought a fixer-upper house. And pretty much from the minute his new neighbor sets eyes on him, he cannot stand him. And Stone can't figure out why, but unlike a normal person who might try to butter that person up or anything like that, Stone decides it'll be a lot funnier and more fun to uh, just be the world's worst neighbor. So (laughs) it's a really, really funny, fun story. Very steamy moments, of course, all that good stuff. And basically, you know, Stone and his neighbor Dare going from enemies to uneasy friendship to finally finding their happily ever after together. How did you decide on construction for this? Actually, so I was driving. My parents used to live in Illinois last year, and I was driving to visit them, and I saw a sign for a company called Four Bears Construction. I was like, that's it. That is that is the series I'm writing next. <laughs> That's like the easiest plot buddy just plopped in your lap ever, maybe. <laughs> it was perfect. It was like a sign from above. 
I wonder if they realized what they created when they put this. <laughs> right. I kind of feel like like looking them up on Google and sending them an email, like just FYI, in case you want to read these books. <laughs> when you're tackling something like this, do you go into it? Are you are you the type that plans from the beginning to like you know four bears is going to have these four guys? This is who the four guys are and who their four heas are going to be. It varies a little bit. So I did, for this one, I did go in planning all four. Like I came up with all the series titles. So I was like, all right, I need construction puns. That'll be really funny. I like came up with all those. And I, I kind of plotted out, you know, loosely all the guys and like kind of what I thought the trope for their stories might be. But pretty much like halfway through writing Cocky, I already had switched who two of the guys were going to end up with. <laughs> so uh, they do their own thing a lot. But I, I usually loosely plot a series before I start it if if I know it's going to be a series ahead of time. Just to kind of know where things are going, which is good. And then right, right. It's, it's the fun yeah. of discovery from there. Exactly, yes. <laughs> then it's just me fighting with them, trying to keep it on track for, you know, four or five books, however long it goes. <laughs> so did you have to research for those construction <laughs> puns? Or did, did those just spill out of your head for you? Because, I mean, coffee's um, a pretty good... <laughs> Pretty great one and obviously nailed as well. Yep. So Cocky actually came to me long before I had the actual idea for this series. Like two years ago when that whole Cocky Gate thing was going on with uh -huh. that one MF author who was like trying to trademark the word Cocky and titles. And I thought to myself like, wouldn't that be really funny to have like a play on that? And I was super surprised that that's not already a book title. I was like, who's never thought of this? So I like jotted that down in my ideas notebook and just kind of put it aside. And then once I came up with the idea of doing this whole series of construction work, because I was like, perfect, it totally fits. But yeah, for the rest of it, it was actually surprisingly easy. I ended up with a lot more than I needed. So if I decide to have other books, I've already got titles on hand for them. Super convenient that you can spin yes. off four yes. bears to other cities. And... Yes. <laughs> they can bring on, you know, apprentices, whatever. <laughs> Where did the covers come from? Because I have to say that Cocky in particular, I mean, nailed top, yeah. but Cocky is one of the yeah. hottest covers I've seen, period. Right? <laughs> so usually I'm not like the kind of person who, you know, has to spend $1,000 on a cover photo or anything. Like I'm a stock photo girl, totally works for me. But I was looking through stock photo sites and I just couldn't find anything that felt right for these guys. So I contacted a photographer who I had worked with once way back in my MF days to ask if she had anything that would kind of fit this general idea of like, you know, sort of hairy, more like macho looking type guys. And she came through for me big time. <laughs> so, so yeah, she, that's, she's that doing is all her, four? Uh, Lin yeah, she did all four. Uh, Lindy Robinson is the photographer's name. And then the covers themselves are done by Natasha Snow, who's done like all my covers. So she's fantastic. I love her. <laughs> Was there anything surprising in terms of the construction setting as you were working through these first two books? So far, I've kind of kept the actual construction work a little bit on the lighter side. Like, it's obviously referenced quite a bit and things like that. I've had to look up some terms and that kind of thing. But so it's like actually like on a work site, I haven't done yet. So we'll see if that comes up in another book. I, I'm sure it probably will. I did end up watching uh, some YouTube videos about like remodeling bathrooms so that I kind of had an idea in cocky, like what would go into it when Cole was redoing the bathroom. So 
yeah, we'll, we'll see when I end up having to research for the rest of the series. <laughs> what can you tell us about the, the two books yet to come? Any teasers you can drop for us? Ooh, okay. So what I'm working on next, and that is going to be Everett's book, which is the third book in the Four Bear series. And that one is going to be, you've kind of seen hints of Everett in the first two books. And his is a, I guess, bisexual awakening is kind of the term, but I hesitate to use that because he knows he's not straight. He just hasn't explored that. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's in a place where he's worried that he's in his mid-40s and is it too late to explore that now? So that's kind of the premise of that book. And I'm super excited. I'm going to be starting work on that one next week. I already have tons of ideas written down and everything. So that's, that's the idea for that. And I'm really excited about it. And then Ali's book, of course, he needs his happily ever after. And that's going to be the fourth book in the series. Um, and I don't want to give too much away on that, but that's going to be really sweet, really sweet. He, he deserves it after his failed marriages. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't get that HEA the first time. He'll get it the second. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, three failed marriages. He's earned it. <laughs> Do you want to drop pins on, on, on titles? Yeah. I think do I want to do that. I guess I could. Um, so the third book is called Hardwood. And I've got, I already have the hook written for the blurb. It's hilarious. I'm not going to share that though, but keep an eye out for that because I'm very proud of that one that came to me. I had to share it with my husband right away. He laughed. Good stuff. <laughs> and then the fourth book, Ali's book, is called Screwed. Screwed. I would expect yeah. a screwed in there. Hardwood though, that's yep, a good yep. one. <laughs> So I've got to ask about the Love Logic series too, because that's what I was reading while Will was doing Four Bears, and I fell. I'll, I'll do anything that's like a nerd geek sort of thing, and then you gave me the perfect nerd. Yes. <laughs> Where did all that come from? What's the origin of, of you know, first of all, rocket science, and then moving into the recently released Four Letter Word. Yeah, so rocket science was an idea I'd been kicking around for quite a while. Actually, I mean, honestly, I was thinking about this book back in my MF days. Just I was thinking about it as an MF book, of course, back then. Just a sort of a general idea that I had of this awkward virgin who moves to a new city and the only person he knows is his best friend's brother who he's had a crush on his whole life. Of course, it was, you know, sister back then, you know. (laughs) revised once I moved into the MM world. So this was kind of one of those like little plot bunnies I'd been feeding and petting and loving for years without actually doing any work on it. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, one day I came across a pre-made cover in Natasha Snow's cover group. And it was, I was like, it's perfect. That is my nerd lit. Like I need that cover and I'm going to start working on this story now. So that was kind of where that all came from. And it was planned completely as a standalone. But then my side characters never let that be. So, <laughs> Well, it's, it's insane reading it, knowing that it was supposed to be a standalone because yeah. it, those side characters are so vivid that it's hard they to take believe on a life you were of their own. It without it being a series. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah, and, and even as far as four-letter word, I did not, when that first idea came to me, that was not supposed to be a 4M book but once I started kind of working on it and like thinking about who those guys were who Bishop and Hudson were and this like weird tumultuous relationship that they have the other characters came out of the woodwork Leo and Riot they came out of the woodwork and surprised me and I just I love how that story turned out (laughs) I cannot imagine having to handle four 
people. <laughs> no. <clears throat> what was that like? Trying, I mean, just from pronouns alone. Yeah, it, it was tough. Honestly, I think that my PA probably got sick of me while I was writing that book. Because, like, every week I was like, I'm, I'm quitting. I'm getting two of these guys, like, getting the boot. <laughs> This is never going to work. Um, it, it was very difficult because especially when you read the book, it really is written almost as five separate relationships. It's not like all four guys come together and build this one relationship. It's it's five relationships. Wait, more than five. However many re every relationship. I can't do that now. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, every relationship is like its own relationship. So it was really like writing, you know, five or six or how many books at once bringing all these characters together. So it was difficult, but it was also a really fun challenge. So I liked that about it. Was there anything in particular that might've surprised you in that book as you were combining all this <laughs> together? Cause beyond pronouns, that's just, that's a lot of individual <laughs> threads to keep up with too. When we're yes. used to primarily, you know, your two primary characters, maybe a couple people on the side. Right, right. <laughs> and then of course, you know, all their friends are still there. So there's still other people in the story. I think the thing that surprised me the most writing it was was Hudson's character. Like in Rocket Science, he's kind of a dick. I don't can I say that on your podcast? Okay, good. You can, and I'll <laughs> totally agree with you that he was. <laughs> <laughs> but there's this whole other side to him that comes out. Like once you start getting in his head and having his point of view on stuff, it was it was a lot of fun because I did not expect that from him. I was like, okay, I'm not really sure I'm gonna redeem this guy. <laughs> but he did most of the work for me, so I appreciated that. <laughs> Would you tr tackle this kind of relationship in a book again, having now done it once? Ooh, I think it would have to be the right book for sure. Like I said, I, I didn't go into this initially, like planning for it to be a 4M. So I think, I mean, if my characters in the future decided that was what they need again, I'll go along for the ride. But I'm not sure that I would intentionally do this to myself. It's going to be interesting to hear how it manifests in audio yes. too, because there's going yeah, to be I'm, I'm really curious. <laughs> potentially more people scene to scene to scene than you would normally have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to see how uh, Zachary Zaba does with it. I'm looking forward to it for sure. We're all looking at you, Zachary. So right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how that turns out. <laughs> what would you say the trademark of a KM Newhold book is? Yeah, I would say definitely a lot of humor, a lot of emotion. Sometimes a lot of the books are heavier, but there's also quite a few that are just sort of schmoopy, sweet emotion. Definitely plenty of heat. And of course, there's always guys with tattoos. <laughs> you know, that's the thing I noticed, too, looking at like Rocket Science and mm -hmm. the Replay series. Yeah. There's the angst levels are much different. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> does that keep things fresh and interesting for you as, as an author to kind of pivot back and forth that way and not just keep maybe moving down like a category romance level of sweetness or something? Yeah, it definitely does. My more angsty books, I think in a lot of ways, I have a lot of fun writing those because the emotions are so deep, but it can be so heavy that I always need to write something light after that because otherwise it's just, it's too much. It kind of weighs me down a little bit too much. So I, I definitely like to mix it up. And, you know, with everything going on in the world right now, I'm really glad that I pretty much planned this whole year for really like light, funny, pretty much no angst books. 
<laughs> because I don't, I don't think I'm going to want any angst for a little while. <laughs> and that was one of the things I liked so much about <laughs> rocket science too, is mm -hmm. even the, you know, the dark moment where theoretically <laughs> all is lost. Mm -hmm. It wasn't super heavy. I mean, it was there yeah. and they were broken, but it wasn't like the mm -hmm. way the world fell at the same time. Right, right. So, yeah. yeah, well, the book I, I had written immediately before Rocket Science was a super heavy book um, that I absolutely love. But Change of Heart was, it, it weighed me down quite a bit. So I was like, nothing dark is going to happen in Rocket Science. It's going to be super light. All the problems are going to be solved easily. <laughs> 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 easy easy yeah sometimes yes. that's just what you need is the writer and the reader right right and you work with so many types of guys you got your mm -hmm. nerds and the construction workers and the porn stars and yep. the tattoo artists and the rock stars mm -hmm. is there a type that you haven't done yet that you're like i want to do something with this but you haven't figured it out yet Sure. It's something, you know, I, I saw the questions that we had for this and I was trying to think about it. And I don't know off the top of my head, like what kind of guys I want to tackle after these series are done. I'll probably just let them come to me and tell me. You're going to see another <laughs> billboard some... somewhere. And... Right, exactly. There'll be another <laughs> billboard somewhere. Like I have some ideas. I know a couple of series that I probably want to tackle next year, but I don't know for sure, like what the characters will necessarily be like yet. And why always tattoos? I'm obsessed with tattoos. <laughs> yes, I, I've got um, quite a few of my own, and I've always been attracted to people with tattoos. So I always find that that's when I'm thinking, like, what's an attractive person look like? In my mind, tattoos are always on the list. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. <Yep. laughs> what do you think started that, just out of curiosity? Uh, I don't really know. I, as long as I can remember, I've always just thought the tattoos look really awesome. Like I love the, the artistry of a lot of tattoos. So mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Just one of those things, I guess. <laughs> kind of like that, how it always, yeah. you know, it's just always there somewhere. Right, right. <laughs> did you enjoy, you must've really enjoyed writing the tattoo artist books. Then. I did. Yes. Yes. And that was another one. Like I had, I had had the idea that I was definitely going to do a tattoo artist series. I was still writing an MF and I, kind of had this idea for a series and then I switched over to MM and I was like this will work perfectly like I could totally plot this out as an MM series and it worked a lot better for all the guys too <laughs> and, and yeah it was something I always thought of because I always loved the vibe inside a tattoo studio when you're there getting a tattoo this like they talk shit to each other there's always like a crude joke uh, music playing like so I, always, I had that kind of feeling of a tattoo parlor in my mind while I was writing the series. Mm -hmm. And of course here we're, we're talking about Heathen's Inc. Yep. for those who don't yes, know. Yes, Heathen's Inc., yes. <laughs> it occurred to me I hadn't actually said yep. what that was. And people would be like, what? <laughs> and that's like your longest series to date. Yes. Yeah, yep. That one's pretty long. And then there's the spinoff Inc. series, which is another three books. So all told, it's 10 books for that universe. What yeah. kept bringing you back? Just the guys and the tattoo scenario or something else? Yeah, I, I think so. It was one of those situations where every time I thought I was going to be done, another side character popped up and kind of pulled me in. So I just, I wasn't ready to leave that universe quite yet. And I think now Unexpected was the third in the Ink series that I published at the end of December last year. And I, I feel like I'm done with that universe now, but I guess we'll see. Something might pop up again in the future. <laughs> It's still fresh. So right, right. You never know. 
So we, we'll see what happens. Right, right. <laughs> Do you have favorite tropes that you like to, to play with? Yes, my absolute favorite trope is best friends to lovers. I really love that because it's it's the feeling that like they already love each other, but it's going to be so much deeper once they discover what else there is between them. That, and I really love, I've written a couple of books where the they're already in an established relationship when the book starts. And the same kind of thing, like I love just seeing how deep that love can go as things unfold. Yeah, there's just something about friends because I've got so much of that yeah. shared background. Right, yeah, the shared background, the like sexual tension that neither of them want to ruin the friendship with. Like, it's, it's all good. <laughs> Similar to the type of guy question, is there a trope that you want to you know, do something with that you haven't yet? I would say I definitely have it on my list that I would like to explore M-Preg possibly at some point, or at least Omegaverse. I don't know, like the pregnancy part doesn't necessarily appeal to me, but the rest of, of the Omegaverse does. So I, I think I might dip my toe into that maybe uh, next year or so, just kind of see how it goes. Okay, because I... I don't remember seeing really any paranormal either. So that would be... No. Well, I, I did do uh, one book that was co-authored with Michelle Nataro. That's kind of a horror, somewhat paranormal. There's ghosts and demons. So I guess, yeah, paranormal. <laughs> that we wrote in 2018. So tiny bit. <laughs> you dipped your toe. Yes, exactly. That'd be, that'd be Alaska Sanatorium. Yes. Yep. Did you enjoy co-authoring? Yes, I do. I, I write a lot of books with Nora Phoenix as well. We have mm -hmm. a full series, the Ballsy Boy series, and we're working on a spinoff, the Kinky Boys now. Nice. So definitely, yeah, done quite a bit of co-authoring. It, it's a challenge, but it's also fun. So it's, yeah. <laughs> and of course, you know, Nora <laughs> knows everything about Impreg and, and Omegaverse. So you, yes, could, you, yes. you could at least get... <laughs> you know get some help from one of the best there right. Ab absolutely absolutely <laughs> do you want to co-write more or are you are you happiest running solo i would say for the most part i i'm a little bit happier writing solo just because i i'm the kind of person like any amount of stress totally throws off my writing game <laughs> mm. so you know have just even knowing that someone else is waiting for a scene from me kind of throws me off a little bit so it, it is always fun to co-write with her because I like that immediate feedback. You know, she reads the scene that I wrote right away and vice versa. That's fun. And getting to brainstorm as we go is a lot of fun too. But overall, definitely, I, I think solo is uh, preferable for me. Now, you mentioned you, you've written MF also. What mm -hmm. got you started writing in MM? Yeah, so when I started in MF. I didn't even know MM existed. I had never heard of this, you know, subgenre of romance before. I started reading MF when I was a teenager and, and started writing it in my early 20s. And it, it didn't take me too long after publishing my first few that I realized that the kind of men that I like to write really didn't fit what MF readers like. MF readers really, really love the alpha male asshole, as I like to put it. <laughs> like the kind of guy who's going to tell you, like, don't you dare go to the bar in that short skirt. <laughs> that kind of stuff. And that just has never appealed to me. So, you know, as, as you've read a lot of my books, like, yes, I can write tough guys, things like that. But usually at the core, they're kind of these like sweet, nice guys. Mm -hmm. And that's really not very popular in MF. 
So not only was I not getting a lot of traction with my writing career in MF, I was finding myself getting really bored of reading books in MF. Um, I still loved the romance aspect, but I was just like, this is, you know, I feel like I'm reading the same thing over and over, the same kind of guy, the same kind of, you know, formulaic plot line. And I stumbled on my first MM book, which was Line Mates by Van Barrett, which is a super hot hockey romance. Love the hockey romance. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And as soon as I fell down that rabbit hole, I was like, this is it. This is where I belong. I I knew right away because it's, it's the community around MM, like, they're welcoming up all different kinds of characters. You don't have to feel like you're so much in a box of like, I have to write it exactly like this. You know, they have to break up at the 80% mark and then have a grand gesture to get back together. And like MM readers just, they love it all. They're open to different things. And that really appealed to me as a writer. And so I fell in love with the community, with the genre, um, and never looked back. <laughs> That's awesome. Any any yeah. chance of a KM Newhold hockey book somewhere in the future? <laughs> I don't know. I'd love I, to see my, what you do high, with a hockey player. <laughs> my high school boyfriend was a hockey player, so I always have like a little bit of a weird association with hockey okay, players. Fair enough. <laughs> but I mean, definitely not ruling it out. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> What got you started writing in general? You mentioned you started writing in your 20s with the MF romances. Yes. Well, writing to publish, I guess I should have said in my 20s. I've pretty much been writing most of my life. In high school and in middle school, I was really into writing like high fantasy, like young adult, Lord of the Rings slash, you know, whatever kind of stories. I, you know, I was writing pretty much as soon as I learned how to put sentences together I was always kind of like a kid who liked to daydream a lot and it didn't take very long before I realized that it's even more fun when you write them down. So (laughs) (laughs) Nice. It is more fun when you write them down because then other people can read them. (laughs) Right, right. Then you can go back like, oh yeah, that was fun. (laughs) We've mentioned a little bit about the four bears that are coming up Mm -hmm. next. What else is kind of on (laughs) your upcoming things to do? Yeah, so this year I pretty much have planned um, getting the whole Four Bears series out before the end of the year, and also the Love Logic series will should be all out by the end of the year. I've got two more books planned in that series. Alex and Theo are going to get a book, and then for anyone who did read Four Letter Word, you'll recognize there's a very sweet baker who pops up. And as soon as, again, another side character who he just stole the scene as soon as he popped up, I was like, well, he's going to need a happily ever after. So... <laughs> So definitely two more books in that series. And then the Kinky Boy series that I'm working on with Nora Phoenix. We're going to keep working on that this year, too. Nice. So it sounds like maybe another, what, four or five books before the end of the year. Lots of, yeah, still a lot of books before the end of the year. (laughs) We'll see as long as I get through. (laughs) I had an ambitious schedule at the beginning of the year. So we'll see how far I get with it. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Because I know I want the Love Logic books. And I know Will wants the Four Bears books. (laughs) What is the best way for everyone to keep up with you online? Yeah, so if you're on Facebook, definitely the best place to find me is my reader group, uh, New Holds Nerds, which is super fun. I share lots of teasers and insight into my writing process, and my husband does live videos and and all kinds of fun stuff like that. If you're not on Facebook, then you can go to my website, authorkmnewhold.com, and you'll find my email, my mailing list, all that good stuff. Fantastic. Well, Kylie, thank you so much for talking to us. This has been awesome. Can't wait to keep reading more books. Yes, thank you so much. 
This week's interview transcript is brought to you by our community on Patreon. If you'd like to read the author interview for yourself, simply head on over to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. And thanks again to Kylene for joining us. Really such a wonderful time chatting with her about her books and the tropes she likes to write and everything else. I, I suspect there's not going to be enough time in the year to read all of the books that I want to read from her. <laughs> exactly. Okay, guys, I think that's going to do it for this week's show. Coming up next week in episode 239, Emma Scott will be here to talk about her new book, Someday, Someday. Yeah, I talked about this book back in episode 234. Absolutely loved it, and I so much enjoyed sitting down to talk to her about the origins of the book and her other writing. Great. Looking forward to that. Remember, everyone, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. Until next time, everyone, please keep turning those pages and keep reading. Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more shows you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. New episodes of this show are available every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. You can help support this show with a monthly pledge through Patreon. For more information about joining our community and the bonus content we deliver, check out patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. I'm Kurt Graves. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.